we were married, and I think we both kind of had the mindset of uh, a couple years, kind of enjoy uh, being a couple, and then we'd start to, you know, have our family. And uh, I think we, we both kind of decided it was time, and things just didn't quite didn't work out as quickly as we thought they probably would. And you know, we kind of knew beforehand that it could be something that uh, we we might encounter. Uh, however, it, it was a little more than I think both of us probably thought it would be. I had always had on my heart to foster or adopt. So we just went the route of fostering and we just went into it thinking, oh, we'll just foster for a while and then maybe we'll adopt. But we got placed with Axel and Grayson in the very beginning of what was the horrible COVID pandemic of 2020. So it was a, a total God moment that he could take that horrible time of, you know, tragedy to turn it into something, you know, really good for us. So that was really cool. Prior to COVID, uh, you know, Westside did the margin uh, event. Uh, that was church wide. We're, we're both already, we don't like, we don't spend a ton of money as it is, but we also didn't make a lot. But it was good, you know, to, to sit down and have the meetings and have the, uh, the talks where we knew if we can stick to this, which we're gonna be able to, then we're gonna be just fine. So for our 11th year anniversary present to ourselves, yep. we paid off our house. <laughs> we were just trying to pay off the house so that we could just be financially stable, so that if it happens to become a happening that we could adopt him, that we would be able to, you know, help them with college, be able to maybe move into a bigger house that has more room for them, a backyard, a garage, things like that. And it was very soon after we decided that we would be able to adopt the boys and we were gonna adopt them, that in April of 2022, I found out that I was pregnant uh, with our daughter now, who is almost seven months. So adoption day, July 20th, mm -hmm. 2023. It doesn't mean that they're our sons because they already are our sons. It means that they can feel like they belong somewhere. And I think that that is really key for, I think, them. Because I think that right now they feel like they don't belong in a certain family. They're sort of in the in-between. So I think that they'll feel like they belong in a certain family. They will be a Grammy. It'll be a pretty, um, it's an important day for us <laughs> um, as well, I think. You know, we will get to see the fruits of our faith and um, that God has a plan for you and that um, 
you know, it takes time, and it's it's going to be an amazing day. It's going to be it's a long time coming. <laughs> yep, I feel like there's going to be a lot of stress that'll be dissipated. Um, I mean, they're still kids, and so there's always going to be stress, but uh, <laughs> it's just going to be it's going to be an awesome day. that gave us unshakable faith, at least for me, was Network 127. That foster adoption ministry through Westside has been absolutely life-changing for us and amazing. Keep, keep searching, keep uh, investigating your faith because it, it doesn't stop. You know, I, I've, we found one really good thing. Oh, you know, it's where difficulties happen and then something really good happens that's great, and we can attribute it to God, and then if we just stop there, then, then you don't ever move forward. And you have to understand that there, there'll be setbacks, that not everything's gonna work out perfectly. As she said, it's not always your timing, um, but just keep moving forward and keep looking for Him. Everywhere you go, every day, He will show up. Small ways, big ways, but keep, keep investigating to find um, where He is in your life because when you find them, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Your timing is not God's timing. So I really wanted a baby and kids right away, but that's not what God had planned for us. And I don't think that we were ready for that when we, we wanted it. But God's timing is not your timing. God might be saying, just wait. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and plans to give you a hope and a future. And you just have to believe that. And his timing just might not be your timing. Good morning, Westside Family Church. Wasn't that a great story? And this is at the very heart of our unshakable vision that God has given to us, that Westside would wrap God's family around the Groney family, who then would in turn wrap their love around two kids in desperate need of a place of belonging and to provide for them a forever home. And if you were careful to watch the dates, that actually became a reality just 10 days ago. That is what this is all about. And if we can multiply that one person at a time and mobilize everybody at Westside to do that, we wrap around you and then you wrap around others, we just multiply that a million times over, Satan loses and love wins. Amen? And that's the vision that God has given us. And I want to thank you for your generosity 
because is it a resources that stands up ministries like Network 127 that comes along families, side of families, and provides the support and the help and the training that they need uh, to be able to take on uh, what we just were able to witness. I also want to tell you another part of our unshakable vision is to mobilize you into smaller communities throughout the Kansas City area through the establishment of area communities. An area community is a collection of Westsiders who live in the same elementary school area who are committed to know each other and belong together and to help each other. But then collectively, you're the hands and feet of Jesus in that area as well. We've already launched Prairie Ridge Area Community. We've launched Riverview Area Community. Belmont is meeting in the East venue right now. They're watching us. Let's give it up for the people of Belmont. Yeah, they can hear you. They can hear you. They've got two more weeks before they're officially launched to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And then I'm pleased to tell you that on August the 13th, uh, we're going to be launching uh, our fourth area community for those of you who live in the Horizon Elementary School area. So if that is you, you can take a picture of this QR code, find out more information about it. We'll answer any questions you have. Super excited. You'll begin meeting at the East Venue uh, for four Sundays in a row during our Battle for Our Kids series. And, uh, and I think you'll never, never regret uh, being connected in this way. Super excited. Now, uh, today and next week, I have invited one of my close pastor friends of all times, Rusty George, back to Westside Family Church. Uh, Rusty pastors Real Life Church in Los Angeles, and we brought him here a couple of years ago, two years ago, to speak on his book, After Amen, during our prayer series. He's written several other books like Better Together, and uh, I, I wanted him to come because he has two really important talks on something I think we need to hear, and he's answering the question, why am I so angry. And he's going to open up God's word. He's going to speak directly to our hearts. Are you ready to receive it? Yeah. All right, here we go. So Westside does this better than any church I've ever been a part of, and that is uh, welcoming uh, people and pastors who come from a long way to give us the word. We let them know we're excited they did it. So on the count of three, I want you to welcome Rusty George to Westside Family Church. Ready? One, two, three. Here we go. Welcome, Rusty. Woo! Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, gang. Great to see everybody again. I was here a couple years ago, and I actually was here a couple weeks ago. I was doing a wedding for my niece, and we got to just crash the party here and sit in and worship with you all. It was just uh, fantastic. It's always great to be back because I consider this being back because I grew up in Wichita, uh, just down the turnpike. Anybody from Wichita? You made it out. Good for you. Okay. Um, so it is uh, it's fun to be here. I grew up a long-suffering Royals and Chiefs fan, and I was telling a buddy of mine the other day, I feel like we've, we've earned Patrick Mahomes from all the years of suffering and he said, we didn't earn it this good. And uh, he was right. Uh, so it's always fun to be back here. I love this place, love this city. And I love what you guys are doing. I love this church and I love your pastor. He is just fantastic and uh, an incredible gift uh, to so many of us. I hope you all realize that. Uh, and I just so enjoy Randy and his friendship and his writings and teachings and, and everything. So uh, it's fun to be back with you and to do this series we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about that. And I want to talk to you about a word that... 
became really popular. I mean, it's a word we've always used, but it got really popular about three years ago because it was something we used to kind of equate if something was safe. And this was the word. The word was contagious, okay? About three years ago, we got all very, very concerned about who was contagious. Are you contagious? Am I contagious? Uh, Is contagion even a thing? Does the mask help? Does it not help? Remember the mask? It was kind of a big deal. Uh, The vaccine, is it going to help? Is it not going to help? And we were all concerned about is, are we contagious when it comes to COVID? But there's another thing out there right now, and it's always been around, but it is so much more contagious, I think, than COVID. And you can catch it. You can catch it at school. You can catch it at home. You can catch it in the neighborhood. You can catch it at your HOA meeting, at your PTA meeting. You can catch it certainly when you're watching the evening news. And it is, it is this idea of anger. Anger is everywhere. For those of us that are my age or older, have you ever noticed a time that we've been this angry all the time? Now, I feel like if you are a Kansas City Chiefs or Kansas City Royals fan like I am, you just have gotten accustomed to being angry most of the time, right? I mean, if I say New York Yankees, doesn't that just make your blood boil, okay? If I say Tom Brady, doesn't that just make you kind of squirm, right? We don't even talk about the Broncos because they're irrelevant now. But, I mean, there was a day, <laughs> right? Thank you. There was a day that they would, you know, John Elway would make me vomit. And it's just, you know, pain, just anger. And I think we can all resonate with, with something that happened 40 years ago on Monday. This guy's anger sums it up for a lot of us. Take a look at this. They might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he is. He's out. Yes, sir. Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. Okay, I mean, if you remember the pine tar incident, right? They called him out for having too much pine tar on his bat, and he he got a little bit upset about it. But I think that image right there of him storming out of the dugout, I mean, aren't so many of us feeling that all the time. We get angry about whether it's the service, whether it's people uh, you know, in front of us on, on, the, on the, the road, people at home, uh, our own kids, our own flesh and blood. I mean, the truth is, there is so much anger out there, and it is contagious. Some of you are sitting next to somebody who's a carrier of anger right now. I mean, don't, don't look at them. Don't look at them right now. Look at me. Don't point. But you know, all right? Those of you watching online, you just called someone in the room to hear this message, you know? Hey, come on in. You know I need to hear this because we're all around. And some of you are thinking, yeah, this isn't my issue. Well, I'm glad you're here as well because you struggle with denial, okay? All All of us wrestle with anger to some level in our lives. And, and sometimes it's funny. You do and say, you know, just stupid things and you feel bad about it later. But for a lot of us, boy, it is, it is taking a toll. It is alienating our relationships. It is alienating our connection with our parents or with our kids. Some of us have been embarrassed by our anger. Some of us have lost jobs because of our anger. Some of us have lost relationships. Some of us have lost marriages because of our anger. And there's something inside of us that thinks, well, that's just who I am. I just overreact. If it goes in my mind, it comes out my mouth. I'm just Italian. You know, we just blame it on everything else, right? But the reality is, it is something that can be controlled. It is something that can be fixed. And so what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks is, how do we deal with our anger? Where does this anger come from? 
what is it we're supposed to do with this? Because all of us would like to try to figure out how we can stop being so angry. In fact, take a look at what Aristotle writes about this many years ago. He said, anybody can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that's not so easy. And as our modern poet and philosopher says, Taylor Swift, (laughs) you need to calm down, okay? That's basically summing up what Aristotle said with a lot of words. So what we're going to do over these next few weeks is, is, or two weeks, we're just going to kind of dive into this and figure out how do we stop ruining relationships? How do we stop alienating our kids and in our marriage? How do we get a handle on this? And friends, I am learning with you on this. I have uh, two teenage daughters, and uh, they, they tend to think that uh, they are, are smarter than their parents. I know it's only a problem I deal with, but uh, the, my youngest daughter, um, she just has the type of personality. It's very combative at times, and, and sometimes she'll get mad and angry, and I'll, I've just learned just, just, just go low, just act like it's no big deal, just keep calm, don't raise your voice, maintain eye contact, you know, all the things they teach you, you know, with negotiating with terrorists, and I just, uh, <laughs> I just stay, stay focused, you know, hold on to my wife's hand, we can get through this. And, but the other day, she got mad, and I thought, forget it. I mean, I know what, what Solomon says, quiet answer, turns over, yeah, 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 but I'm, I want to fight. And so I, I went higher, I yelled, and then she thought, oh, finally, somebody to spar with, here we go. And then she took it up a notch, and then I took it up a notch, and it was just, yeah, Solomon was right. This does not work. And all of us have had those moments we wish we could take back, and we've tried things, right? Tried meditating, tried chanting, we've tried, you know, listening to, uh, I don't know, different music to calm you down, counting to 10. But what does the scripture say about this? So that's what we're going to dive into today. And next week, we're going to talk about what if you're angry at God? We don't talk about that a lot, but a lot of us are. A lot of us don't think that's what we're angry at, but we are. And we're going to get into that. So today, we're going to try to figure out what's the root of all this anger. And we're going to read from a guy uh, who wrote a letter to a group of Christians back in the first century, and it's included in our Bible in the second half of the New Testament. And this is a guy that uh, he was the half-brother of Jesus. And this guy, he did not believe Jesus was the son of God until after Jesus came back from the dead, which makes sense, right? What would it take for your brother to convince you he's the son of God? (laughs) He would need to come back from the dead, maybe twice, you know, just to prove you're the real deal. And, and so James did not believe in Jesus till he came back from the dead. One of the reasons I actually trust, you know, everything in the, the Bible, especially the New Testament, because of what James says here in, this, in these passages, because what would it take, you know? And this guy decides to follow Jesus. And he writes to a group of Christians who were going through more difficulties than we are right now. They dealt with plagues and pandemics, but they also dealt with the fact that because of their faith, they couldn't hold jobs. They lost homes. They lost family. They dealt with a a political oppression from Rome, a religious oppression from the Pharisees. They felt like they had no country, no home, nobody, only themselves, the church. And James writes to them, and what does he say in the midst of all of this tragedy they're facing? He says, let's deal with our anger. You think you have cause for anger today. They had way more. And James says, let's talk about anger. So here's what he writes. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, let's stop right there. 
Because what James is doing here at the very beginning, before he even gets into how to deal with your anger, he says, remember, we're family. Brothers and sisters. My, my kids, when, when they would, would fight, I have two daughters, they would fight with each other. There, there's usually moments where they get along, everybody's happy, laughing, playing, and then they're screaming. And my wife would always say this phrase to them. Hey, friends come and go. Sisters are forever. To which one of them would usually say, what if I went out of that deal? Is that possible? <laughs> and what James is saying here in this moment is, brothers and sisters, your family. It is embarrassing the way we as followers of Jesus have treated other followers of Jesus over the last three years. We have lost friendships. We have canceled each other. We have taken shots at each other on social media that the onlooking world is looking at us going, why would I want any part of that nonsense when I got enough issues of my own? And James says, we got to deal with anger, but you got to remember, we are brothers and sisters. We are family. I got all my sisters and me. Come on, it was just there. I had to say it, all right? Some of you will get that later if you're over 50. All right, James, next verse. Here's what he says. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. All right, there's a lot we're gonna unpack there here in a second, but you know what I hate about this verse? He says everyone, meaning no qualifiers, not unless the person's really annoying, not unless the person is taking way too long in the drive-thru to order. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Now, we got to stop and look at that. Human anger. In other words, there's such a thing as godly anger. In other words, that it's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin in how we deal with our anger. We'll get into this in just a second, but God himself gets angry about certain things. We tend to have human anger, and we deal with it for the wrong reasons in the wrong way. Now, let's just stop on that for just a second, because some of you think I'm not talking to you today because you don't yell and scream and throw things. But there's actually a multitude of ways that we deal with our anger. Can we just do a quick test? And you don't have to raise your hand or nudge anybody or point, but let's just see what you are. Some of you are nuclear bombs. Okay, Oppenheimer was about you, all right? You just explode, and there's devastation everywhere, and then you walk away and wonder why everybody's crying. Okay, that's just, that's your style. But some of you are not like that. You're the trash compactor. You just shove it down. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Serenity now. And then you just slowly start to stink, right? You just start, it just starts to seep out everywhere. What, what's wrong here in the room? It's because you're angry, and everybody now knows it. Maybe for you, your anger style is you're just a little snarky. You got that quick-witted comment here and there. Your wife comes in and asks you to do something or complains about something, and you say, hey, it looks like your mother's here. <laughs> you know, you think you're being funny, and, you know, now you're on the couch, okay? So anyway, <laughs> you laugh because it's true, all right? You know we've all done it, not all of us. I have. All right, snarky, not a good one. Another one, silent assassin. You can cold shoulder somebody for years. You know, how's your sister? Nah, I haven't talked to her in years. You know, done. You just delete people, cancel people, finished, and you're just silent. All of us deal with our rage in different ways. And here's what James is saying. That human style of anger doesn't get you where you want to go. 
Have we ever had a snarky comment to where somebody goes, that was very convicting, thank you. <laughs> Have you ever had the cold shoulder for so long that somebody just falls to their knees and cries mercy and holy and Jesus? You know, nobody does that because it doesn't get you to where you want to go. And he says, there is another way to do this. There is a solution. And so we're going to unpack three ways to do this. And I encourage you to jot these things down or put them in your notes app on your phone. Three things that will help restore your relationships and get you to the root of your anger. Here's the first one. Reflect before you react. James says, everyone should be quick to listen. When you are listening, you are giving yourself time to calm down and figure out why you're really angry. Don't respond impulsively, but think it through first. Solomon says it this way, and I love this particular translation. Stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient and hold it back. In other words, the longer you wait, the better off you are. Have you ever had the wisdom to take a day before you reply to the text? It's always better. To take a day before you fire off that email, it's always better. And here's the key to this point. Again, Proverbs says, people who stay calm have real insight. You just look smarter when you wait. Now, here's the problem with anger, and this is what waiting does for us. The problem with anger is it's been called the most baffling emotion because it's not the real problem. Anger is the second emotion we feel. In other words, anger is a smoke detector. A smoke detector goes off to tell you there's another problem in the house. You don't get up and hear the smoke detector and say, I knew we shouldn't have got that, and rip it out of the ceiling and go back to bed. Now, if it's just the battery going bad, yeah, you probably do that. But when it's going off, it's because there's a fire in the house. That's the bigger issue. And the same thing is true when you and I experience anger. When we have anger, it's usually the result of one of three primary emotions that we feel. It's either because of hurt, frustration, or fear. And when you decide to reflect before you react, it gives you a moment to figure out why is the smoke detector going off. It might be because you're hurt. I mean, right now, you might be in a situation where you are feeling like the last, you know, interaction you had with that person was so painful. The words that they said to you, you will never unhear. And the reason you are, are freaking out right now, the reason you are getting so angry is because this new person that you met reminds them of them, reminds you of them, and it still hurts. That's the real problem. Maybe you're a student and you've been enjoying the summer at the house and part of enjoying it means never cleaning up after yourself. And you just think mom's always mad all the time. What's mom mad about? I don't know. She's just always mad. It's probably because she's frustrated. There's a deeper level of frustration going on here. Maybe for you, the last three years have been so difficult because of you lost people during COVID. You lost job opportunities. You're, you're worried about what's next and what might be coming. And you lash out at the government and everybody else. What's the real problem? There, there's an underlying level of fear of what you've had happen and what might happen again. Anger is a chance for us to take a step back and ask, what am I really wrestling with here? And it's usually because you've been hurt or you feel fear 
or you are frustrated. And it's in these moments that we have a chance to step back and ask that we begin to learn what the real problem is. And let's, let's just get really, really deep on this one here. But for a lot of us, this is our problem with God. And we'll get into this more next week. But some of you, you are here physically, but mentally you are done. You're like, I'm here to keep peace in the family, but I don't believe this stuff anymore. We went to church and we still got a divorce. We came to church and our kids still went the wrong way. I prayed a prayer and my dad still died. God let me down. And you're angry at God and that's the smokescreen, but deep behind it, you're frustrated or you're fearful. And James says, when you take a moment to reflect before you react, you don't end up saying things that you wish you never said. You figure out what the real problem is. So James says, be quick to listen. Now, even if you're not sure what you believe about God, that's just good relational advice. Think about that. Have you ever left a relationship because they listened too much? Why'd you all break up? You know, he just listened way too intently. I'd speak and he'd lean in, nod, say, tell me more. It was so annoying. You know, no one does that. We love people that listen to us. We long for people that listen to us. And James says, let's start off with being quick to listen. All right, here's the second thing. Restrain your remarks. Restrain your remarks. James says, be slow to speak, slow to become angry. Can I just tell you, this is very frustrating to me. Because some of the things that come to my mind, I think, Though they are sarcastic, they're brilliant. <laughs> and the people would, would just be better off if I shared them with them. If God doesn't want me to do that, why did he make me so good at sarcasm? You know, have you ever thought that before? It's got to be a spiritual gift. I'm looking for it, you know, in the, the, the back of the Bible somewhere. But this ability to say things it only makes us feel better. Think about it. The person doing the venting is always having more fun than the one being ventilated upon, right? You're the only one feeling good in that moment because when you get angry and your heart is beating and your blood pressure is pumping, you've got this witty, snarky, sarcastic comment that you're gonna lay out there and you feel great about it and everybody else is just decimated by it. And James says, just, just take a moment. Take a moment and process what you're about to do. I mean, think about it when, when we're driving. You know, somebody cuts you off and you, you just respond in anger. You lay on the horn. You, you know, motion at them. You give them the your number one sign, you know. <laughs> have you ever had a moment that they pull over and say, you have given me a lot to think about? I have never considered my driving, and thank you. And the way you point it up tells me maybe there is a higher power, <laughs> a deity of sorts, and there is water. What prohibits me from being baptized? I mean, never has anybody come to faith by our acts of, of anger, right? And James says, before you vent on somebody, take a pause. Solomon says it this way in, Psalm, in Proverbs, 20, or Proverbs 17, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs 10 says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible, keep your mouth shut. In other words, your IQ goes up the more you keep your mouth shut. You stay quiet in a situation, people that man, he's brilliant over there, look at him. I mean, you could you know, be thinking of Looney Tunes, but it doesn't matter because you're quiet in the moment. 
Now, I know, some of you right now are thinking, oh, that's easy for you to say. I can't do it. I'm a nuclear bomb. I just just blow up, say whatever I want to say. But you can do it. Let me tell you how. Think about that moment you were in an argument with your teenage son. He came home late, wrecked the car, whatever. You're mad, and you're just letting him have it, and your phone rings. And you look down, and you see it's your boss. And in the middle of screaming, hello? <laughs> no, I'm doing nothing. You're able to turn it off in that moment. All of us can stop, but we don't want to because it just feels good in the moment. And James says, listen, it's not going to take you where you want to go. Remember our types. Not just nuclear bomb, but the trash compactor, the snarky, the silent assassin. It's not going to get you where you want to go. Reflect and restrain. And here's the last one. Remember the results. Verse 20 says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It's not going to get you to the place you want to be. Anger is a God-given emotion. It can protect us. It can quicken us to action. We can even do good things from it. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, in your anger, don't sin. It's not the anger that's the sin. It's how we deal with the anger. And Psalm 103 reminds us that the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, but he still does, and filled with unfailing love. And we see this in the life of Jesus when he walks into the temple and they're jacking up the prices on the sacrifices so the poor people can't even get in. And he he turns over the tables and methodically puts together strips of leather to drive out the, not the people, but the animals. Because there were things Jesus got mad about. But they're typically not the things we get mad about. We get mad when we're inconvenienced or discomforted. Jesus got mad when people had roadblocks to God. I mean, think about it. You should get angry when you read about and hear about child abuse and human trafficking, racism, violence. We should have a healthy level of anger in those situations. And anger can sometimes lead us to great things. Like the anger that one mother experienced when her child was killed from a drunk driver. She started Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. did some incredibly positive things. James warns us that anger not focused in the right way, with the right motives and the right controls, does not produce the righteousness God desires. And there are so many negative consequences. Again, Solomon says this, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. And you know what that's like. We've all driven wedges into our relationships because of angry outbursts that we've had. And Proverbs 11 says, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. You think about some of the realities of our anger. Every year, 1,700 people are killed or injured because of road rage. And I come from a state where it's kind of an Olympic event in California. We do road rage well, and it just destroys lives. Think about in our country today, There's one violent crime committed every 24 seconds and a murder every 30 minutes. And it's not just violence. I mean, mismanaged anger plays a role in virtually every divorce. Even in marriages that stay together, there's often kind of this emotional separation because of mismanaged anger. Parents who don't learn how to manage their anger often wound their children who in turn grow up and repeat the same pattern with their kids. 
We did a survey a while back of children who were asked, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? Number one answer, I wish my mom didn't yell at me so much. I mean, no wonder James says, our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So here's what he says to do. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let's take a moment and ask God for his help. Would you just take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? As I tell you that God wants to heal us from anger, I know there's some of you that are thinking, I just don't know if I, if I can be helped with that. I, Jesus is great to get me into heaven, but I think I'm, I'm left to my own when it comes to my anger. But let's think about it in terms of our hurt or our fear or our frustration. Would you just, while you're sitting there with your eyes closed, maybe just put your hands out there on your knees, just open them up, kind of a posture of, of God, I, I, want you to, I want you to be in this. And let's just deal with our hurt. Some of us have been abused or unloved or rejected or unwanted in this life, and we just feel so hurt and so alone, and that's what makes us angry. God, would you come to us in our hurt, and would you bring healing today? Would you let us know it wasn't our fault? Would you let us know that you haven't left us? You are with us, and you love us. For some of us, our issue is we're just frustrate, frustrated. We're, we have so much frustration about uh, the, the people in our lives and our lot in life and the jobs we're not getting and life is passing us by and the family we don't have. God, would you just come to us in our frustration? Would you give us a peace that passes all understanding? And for some of us, our, our issue that we're wrestling with right now is just fear. We're so scared. We're scared about this next season of life. We're scared about going away to college. We're scared about our kids leaving. We're scared about the loss of a parent or the end of a marriage. And God, our fear gets translated into anger so much. Would you come to us in our fear? Would you give us the comfort only you can give? And for some of us, we've never even said yes to Jesus in the first place. It, it's a concept. It's an idea. It's a It's a legend. But today, maybe today's the day you say that, Jesus, I want to put my life into your hands. I believe you're real. I'm asking you to be the Lord and the forgiver of my life. God, we don't want to live by our anger. We've ruined too many relationships. We've ruined too many situations in our life. And as we even think about this election season coming up again, we don't want to be the kind of people that add fuel to fire. We, we, want, to, we want to add water to it. God, we want to calm down. We want to be known for the way that we think and act and become like you. So God, may we be people that deal with our anger in a way that you desire. And would you help us to be angry about the right things? And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.